Welcome to Craggy Island Rugby, the final game of the season edition. Well, the final league game of the season. We still have a semi-final to play, William. I think there's a there's a bit of trepidatiousness about the crowd today. Not sure everyone's as confident about this one as they have been the last few home games. No, big pressure today. They're a good side. They're coming in here with uh, eight wins in a row. They look ready to do business. They are the champions, and uh, there's a big expectation on their behalf. Uh, we got a nasty little wobble last week in Treviso. They'll have to put that behind them very quickly. Uh, it's a damp, grey afternoon here. There's no real wind, but it's perhaps not the weather we were looking for. It's a shootout game. Big prize at the end of it, the home semi-final. And, um, well, I'm, I'm hopeful more than expectant. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy enough that we've we've matched expectations the last four home games and that we can, we can do it again. But there's definitely... Uh, Definitely a little bit of a more worry about this one. Yeah, we haven't we haven't had two bad performances in a row generally, um, but these guys are are good, and they're going through. You can just tell the warm up is that they're going through. Is they're they are serious. They marched in here. They look like men on a mission. Uh, but so are we. Uh, bi- a big crowd. It's going to be jam packed. It's a what are we about fifty five minutes to kick off, and it's already seriously crowded in here. It is, yeah. The car parks were full 20 minutes ago, so um, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get a great game to match the size of the crowd, and especially for the poor guys who are going to get left in the wet in the either end of the ground because they're going to get fairly wet today by the looks of things. Hopefully the rain will hold off, but it doesn't look good. We'll talk again just before kickoff. Okay, William. It's just before kickoff. Connacht are about to arrive out, so we'll, we'll record how the crowd are going to react to them. What are your thoughts now as we get close? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit quiet here. It has been, I think. I think the fact that we're actually in the semi-final means that this game is a hard read for people um, because maybe they don't realise how important this home semi-final is, but 12 out of 12 is some record in six years in home semis for the home team. So the atmosphere is a little bit underwhelming but I think once the game gets going because there's a huge crowd in here the terraces behind the goals are full and so are the stands it's, I mean this place is going to be bouncing it certainly is we'll wait till the welcome on the field and we'll talk in 20 minutes Okay, William, 19 minutes gone. It's been all Glasgow, but we're winning 7-0. Yeah, first time in the 22 and a fabulous move off, off a line-out mall and Bundy crashing over beside the posts. We've absorbed a fair bit of pressure. None of it exactly on the line. Glasgow had a lot of possession. Um, they're trying to attack and offload and both sides really hammering at it. Connick were a little bit slow getting into the game but they're, they're well up for it now obviously um, Rodney's had to replace Finlay Bealham very early with what looks like a fairly nasty HIA issue but uh, we're well in it now uh, first couple of minutes were tricky they are and they've had a couple of injuries themselves their second centre and their open side wing forward have both gone off so this has obviously been a bigger, tougher game than they were expecting yeah, it's, it's potentially for quite attritional. It's, it's, a, it's a damp afternoon, but the ball handling's been pretty good so far, considering I'd say the ball is very wet. Uh, but that's a great start for Connick. Once in the 22, come away with seven points. Yeah, fantastic. We'll talk again at halftime.
Okay, William, half time, 7 0. I'm not sure Glasgow know what's hit them. I don't think they've, they've, they haven't had a game like this in I don't know how long. No, we've really got into their faces in the last 20 minutes and they've started making some errors. The intensity level has lifted and as, as Alan just said, they, they, you know, they, they've been cruising along although they have been winning and that, that's a great habit. Um, so far, I would say Connacht are reasonably pleased. They might want to be another score. We might start to struggle with a front row because Rodney's been on since the second minute and you know front rows are usually changed around. But at the moment, they're, they're, they're doing fine and intense, the, the intensity level, if they can keep it up, they've just got to stay in Glasgow's faces. Yeah, we could do it a, a slight change in refereeing a little bit in that we're at an 8-4 penalty count down, which is a bit tough. We're not going to blame the refereeing. We, we looked like we had a score, looked like we could have had a penalty in a sin bin, and, um, you know, we just have to live with it. The, the guys don't seem to care about that anymore. They're just getting on with it and just smashing them. And Glasgow, the body language as they come off the field there was very interesting. They were quite down. I haven't seen them. They were bouncing before the game, but they aren't now. Yeah, well, I, 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 you know, uh, the, as you say, they haven't played at this. They haven't had to play at this hardness, and they've they, they have been hit hard, and they've it's it's just physical. It's it's turned into more of a grinding game, I think, because of the weather. It's not that open. There's a lot of in close play, which probably doesn't suit them. It doesn't it's not our game either, but it's a matter now of who can get on top in the arm wrestle. Yeah, but we've been able to play those arm wrestle games. We did it against Leinster. Um, we played against Ulster, a very similar type of way, and came out of it. And they, they, as you say, they aren't in the rain. It keeps raining every now and again. The rain wallops down. It doesn't suit them. We're, we're playing very well. I'd be hopeful. A lot more hopeful now than I was before the game. Yep, yep. I'd have to agree with you because I think Glasgow haven't haven't operated at the level I was expecting them to. That doesn't mean in the second half that they won't. The benches on both sides going to be crucial because it's, it's, a, it's a hard game. These guys out there will have to be replaced just to, to keep fresh legs. They will indeed. We'll talk again on 60 Minutes. Okay, William, on 49 minutes, it's been a red card for Puafisi for a, a silly, silly clean-out where he led with the head on Marmion. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. And they had been warned as a team a couple of minutes previously for some other incident. They just kind of lost the run of themselves a bit. A couple of small handbag incidents. The referee took a lot of persuading to make that decision. Watched it about five times on the TMO, on the, the screen. But it was absolutely clear. It was a head, no arm tackle, straight head-to-head. And... The correct decision. Yeah, it's 7 all by the way. <laughs> we'll talk again on 60 Minutes. Okay, William, it's just 60 minutes and Connacht have gone ahead with a fantastic cross-kick and catch. Cross-kick by Shane O'Leary, who's come on for Ash McGinty. And a brilliant, brilliant catch from from Tiernan O'Halloran. Oh, fabulous catch. It was a free play because we had another penalty, but it was beautifully positioned. Great try. They needed that. We've been banging on their line for a few minutes. It's been a very, very ferocious period of play here. Very, very harsh. We're just waiting on this conversion. We're getting dead air, but we'll, we'll wait quietly for it. Leary just comes up now and... Straight between the posts. The crowd will tell you, Connacht leading 14-7. 20 minutes to go against 14 men. It's game on. Oh, good. Just a minute left in the game. Connacht lead by seven, but we're in our own 22, trying to run it out. I would like to see us put the ball down the field and them try and score. 
It is lashing rain at this stage. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite tense here, Alan. I mean, they're just uh, everybody's getting ready for the end here. 50 seconds. Might have to put book the ball in a minute. We're just drifting back inside the 22 here. Good handling though. Crowd, crowd really don't know whether to cheer or just stand and hope. Yeah, we give a penalty away here. We could be in trouble. We're down to 30 seconds. Twenty seconds left. We still have the ball, but we're still inside our own twenty-two. And we've just got a penalty. Oh, amazing way to finish, Alan. Very good performance by Connacht. Physicality levels were off the scale. And they've got, they're at the Holy Grail now. They've got the home semi-final. They've got these boys back here in approximately two weeks' time. We'll know exact date later on. Great effort. Fabulous performance. Yeah, and we believe we can beat them again. And there's no reason to think why not. We fully deserve that win. Whether they were down to 14 men or not, I think we deserve that win. It's post-game section of the podcast. Alan Deegan is up chatting to Michael Corcoran, friend of the podcast, so we're just going to start without him. William Davis, welcome along again. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Being welcomed already, but anyways, Dave Finn. Ah, good afternoon, everyone. And Lily McKenzie, who has to wash off to a ball. Yes, so let's get on with it. Let's get cracking. What do you think? Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Superb result. Superb effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was just... I mean, I was a bit worried going into the match because of Gregor Townsend's reputation, because this is a side that are the champions of the league, this is a side with 40 internationals, and I was a little bit nervous, to say the least, but I think as the game wore on, I became more and more sort of like convinced that, in fact, they were the ones who looked more worried. So I actually think it was actually Connett who grew and grew, and it was it was Glasgow who looked the more nervy of the two. I thought it was absolutely a superb performance. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. And it was something I, I, one of the reasons I felt a little bit more confident than anyone else beforehand, they hadn't come across a team that was going to play like we did. They've been playing Treviso and Zebra and an ill Scarlet. They hadn't played at the level we've been playing at and with the intensity we've been playing at, with a crowd behind, against them, with the level that the crowd were here as well. The word I came up with, I mentioned earlier on, there was a trepidatiousness about the place. Yeah. And it was right there yeah. to the very end, until the final whistle went. They had it before the game. I saw them go out into a huddle about an hour and 20 minutes before the game. And it was a real kind of intense type of huddle. They all walked onto the pitch and slowly kind of came together in that huddle. And I just said, they're either going to be unbelievable or maybe they're a little bit too wound up. And, and I think that's what's proven to be. And I think before the game, then I started. Well, I went from earlier in the week thinking, I can't see us win this game, to right before the game and yesterday thinking, we can win this. It's starting to shape towards us. Yeah, I, as I said, I was... 
from earlier in the week I was looking at their looking at the stats and looking at their internationals and looking at their reputation and thinking well this is something totally new for Connacht we're entering new territory how is it going to go you know God bless the crowd and God bless the sports ground because let's oh, face it what an let's, yeah, I mean it just makes such such a huge difference and I think that is so brilliant about the fact that we now have to they're coming back here yes we lose some of our advantage because, you know... They'll have a few more fans. Yes, and also they might be driven more as well as a result of, of today's loss. But the fact is we've, we have secured... We've gone this next step. We've another milestone for, for the season. And, you know, win or lose, we have, we have just surpassed ourselves this season. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant effort. Um, Lindy's right. The first, we, we were off the pace for about the first 20 minutes, I thought. We were a bit... We just weren't there, and then uh, we got into it. Uh, Rodney made a Rodney Howe made a very good tackle, and we drove the ball up the pitch. And from then on, we seemed to just get more and more belief as they their belief seemed to drain away, and it became a bit frantic. And then when you see a player being red carded for something as stupid as that, oh, it's, it's it's just ludicrous. It had to be because it was so reckless. It had to be red. Really. Well, they just they'd had a team warning from the referee to say, "Look, calm it down a bit." Whatever it was, and then ninety seconds later, you've got somebody doing that, and that that's players not not switched on. And we were we were waiting for them. Good defensive line, great job. Would have been nice. I mean, Connick never do these things easily. Maybe if we could have just had another score, but we played out the last three minutes and uh, look, the, we wanted the home semi, and now we've got it. Dave James on stats had a great stat in the first half: ten tackles that Connick made to put Glasgow behind the gain line in that first half. That just kept happening. Oh, yeah, it was intense. I mean, it was such a level of intensity. It's what you do without the ball that determines what how much you can do with the ball. I and mean, the first twenty minutes, we did not see any ball. But you, apart from Nakawewe, he was the, he was doing things like I mean it's just a joy to see that guy playing and it's a tragedy we won't see him next season because he's off to France. But apart from him, and the odd the odd slight sighting of Hogg, we we kind of our defence nullified them. Now they weren't helped by the fact Alex Dunbar went off very early, um, and, but they can bring on Mark Bennett. But we didn't see Bennett, we didn't see Horn, we did, we definitely didn't see Lee Jones, didn't see Tommy Seymour, and we kept we kept Hog pretty quiet. And it's all down to the intensity of the attacking. They were not allowed to develop any sort of head of steam. Once we worked out that we that we had to, to wrap Nakarewa's arms and we somebody go high, somebody go low, so you bring him down and you wrap his arms, he he went he was less of a factor. He wasn't he was he didn't go completely out of the game, he never will. But it was learning it was a learning on the pitch from the players at the time. This is how we have to deal with this guy. And once that was nullified, which comes from we could suddenly see that right, we've got we've worked out how to deal with them with the ball. Let's see what we can do with, with the ball. And the first chance we get, we score a try. And they would have been kicking because they'd had a chance to take points. Russell has a mare, misses kicks, their confidence goes down. We're knocking them back in the tackle. We get one chance, we score. That's a very simple game, game plan, and it worked. The weather had a big influence on us. They haven't played. Suited us. Yeah, it suited us. Well, it's that, it's it that we, we played it better than they did. Mm. We played it better. We, we understood Much it a bit better. better. And we'd also, because we've been in a couple of very tight games, we never panicked when they had so much ball. We never panicked. They never really looked like scoring a try, apart from when they did eventually score the try. Other than that, they never, you know, I was talking to my son on the phone there and he was saying that they were tearing us apart. I went, they, they made the odd line break, but I never felt as though they were tearing us apart. Now, maybe in two weeks' time, if, if Paragos is back and it's a dry they track. missed him. 
They missed him badly. They missed him really, really Also, badly. I think they got psyched out of it in a couple of key situations, Linny. Things just got to them more than they got to Connacht. I'll give you one example. Nia Diolokan running at Jones. And, like, he was four metres away from him and he forced him to knock it on. And it was just, there was so many little errors where it was a case of some of them were mental errors. Actually, all of them nearly were. Yeah, I think that's when the doubts had started to creep in. I mean, let's face it, Glasgow had a dream opening 16 minutes. 16, yeah, yeah. And it was 16 minutes before Connacht actually had one penalty. And it started in that 16 minutes. It was, it was looking, you know, a little bit dodgy, for, you know, for Connacht at that stage. But once they got over that hump, that hump and, you know... And, I, and it really did, as, as Dave says, it actually stemmed from the defence. There was an incredible defence down here after about, I think it was about 15 or so minutes. And, you know, there was Elton Delan, there was Aj McGinty, actually, I think, who was, yeah. who was the one who, who actually kick-started yeah. kick it. And I think once those tackles went in, Glasgow said to themselves, well, actually, we're not actually... We're not getting anywhere here. They hadn't actually even looked like they were going to score a try. Yes, they had, ter- they had territory and they had possession, but they didn't actually look like they were sco- scoring a try. Great job going on around here. Just in case you're wondering, because you might, newer listeners might realise we record this after the uh, game and it's probably about an hour and 20 minutes afterwards and there are so many people working on turning this into a greyhound track and cleaning it up and dropping the terraces and everything. And you added all of that as we lead into the link to the interviews. Yes, they did have that brilliant start, but they didn't score. Now, if Pergos is playing, he would have been kicking. He probably would have scored. And then at 6-0 up after that 20 minutes, yes, we might have gone down and scored, but there, there's only ever one score in it. And then if you get to a point where they're playing at the, game, at the end, they had to score a try. It was no good. Anything else was no good to them. If they're only one point behind or two points behind, then it becomes a different scenario because um, they're out half, can't remember his name. Finn Russell. Finn Russell would have dropped a goal, no problem. Haven't said that, he was awful quiet. Very poor opening 15 minutes. I know, we yeah. built him up yeah. so much before and he was dreadful. Yeah. Funny thing happened in the press conference now that everyone knows about it, but we ought to tell our listeners, Dave. Uh, Gregor Townsend walked in and had a little bit of trouble getting in. He has a very officious, um, very nice gentleman who stands on the door and he won't let you in unless you have a pass. Gregor Townsend had changed from his uniform into his into his civilian clothes and was prevented from coming in and then required the Glasgow press office to explain exactly who he was. Thus going to show once again that stewards at all games are not fans of the sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, certainly didn't know Gregor Townsend in that case. All right, Gregor, first of all, now that you've got into us, uh, look, you have to come back here in two weeks' time. Psychologically, yeah. that's going to be tough. Uh, I'm not so sure. Um, we, we played a team last year uh, in the similar circumstances, Ulster, last game of the, the season. We won, and then they came back the, the following week and played really well against us. So look, we, we prefer to be at home. We were all out trying to win this game to, to get back at home, but we know the opposition much better now than we, we did going into today. Um, and nothing, nothing beats that learning for our players and for the coaches. We know how tough they are, though, as well. They, they played very well, and um, this will be an even nauseous atmosphere in a couple of weeks' time. And you've got to believe, I suppose, the 14 men being a key factor, that's not going to be a factor the next thing. <laughs> I hope not, yeah. Yeah, look, the, the, obviously that, that was a factor. I think um, a couple of penalties in the second half um, didn't help us. Uh, but I was really proud of the effort with the players um, put in, especially down to 14 men, and we... We came very close there, getting into the 22, and I don't know how the ball popped up at the other side of the ruck, but uh, to, to do that with 14 men and that weather showed what, uh, what character we've got in this team. Do you look at this Connick side as a, a team that have surprised you even more coming out of this game? No, no. The, um, the, we, we, know how, well, we knew how tough a team they are, and there's a couple of things, obviously, tactically, they did today that um, we maybe weren't expecting, So, uh, but in terms of... What a defensive side they are. They put their bodies on the line. They're a team that plays positive rugby, an excellent set piece. We knew all these things and uh, they play very well at home. 
That was Gregor Townsend. Lindley, you got to go. So just in the middle of, before we get back to the other interviews, you were chatting to Mills Molina when we were over in Parma. I think we, did we even mention it in the podcast that time? We didn't. No, we couldn't, because no, he had a lot of hard work to do on that, that interview. Well done. It was in the Irish Times today. You can get it online, folks. Yep, it's online today. It's at, it's at two o'clock this afternoon. Timed. And the reason you couldn't see it until two o'clock is because it was simultaneously appearing in the New Zealand Herald on Sunday. So Brilliant. Was, so there was an agreement that it would not be released online. Until that time. Until that time. As Great piece. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a... Um, very enjoyable but tough inter- interview in Palmer. In fact, it took about five hours over the over, over the weekend, and I thought it was a very um, well. It was Mills' story, not not my story. So you know, really and truly, it's more Mills' story about from that time when he was arrested through his time to the end of Connaught. And you know, if you read it, you know, Mills is very accepting of the fact that you know he didn't perform as well as he had hoped in Connaught wasn't a great note to leave on because let's face it no one actually saw him from that time in Connacht um, the, obviously there was a lot more involved in the interview than the 3,000 words it was probably enough to write a book I'd imagine um, <laughs> but you know he was I was you know very grateful for Mills for giving me that opportunity because I know that so many people had wanted to talk to him and you know he to be fair to him he had said actually a year ago tonight for the awards dinner when I met him that he would talk to me when it was all over yes and he didn't talk he didn't give the interview to anybody else and he waited until I went over to Palmer to do it and I just I'm so delighted that you know for himself if you read what that what the Palmer based what Zebra did for him that he was so grateful that he they had accepted him you know as this all black but they accepted his word they didn't have to because he was extremely concerned that his whole future was yes. was was up in the air but but Zebra still agreed to bring him they never mentioned it they gave him all the support that they could he also changed a little bit in the sense of he 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 refocused on different things and one of the most important things and which is ironic that is today of all days is that Mills said that his goals he had to reset he didn't need to win a tri-nations anymore or a Bledisloe cup for him winning a couple two or three games for zebra like today was, against like, dragons like today was the same as winning the Bledisloe cup and his aim going there was to see zebra through to the champions cup and i'm just delighted that on a day that connor now through to the semi-final of the, of the Pro 12, that Zebra, for the first time in their history, are also heading into the Champions Cup next year. All right. Uh, this is going to be my any other business, but just, just to reiterate while you're here, my point is, when situations like this happen, all too often, it's the, the drama around the main event is all we ever hear in the media, and we never hear the story afterwards when the real truth comes out. The real truth comes out, comes out in this case, and this purely innocent man was very, very badly treated in, the, in, in terms of from policing, not the media. The media could only report on what was on live television, and uh, well, it's just great to see the I records that's, that's, that's the issue, is that he felt that for six months, he, he wasn't allowed to talk. Yeah. He, couldn't, he, he couldn't talk to anybody, and that was what was so frustrating, because... You know, nobody knew the real story. Nobody knew what the accusation was until until it was all over. And for him, you know, for, I mean, imagine if you'd been accused of, uh, uh, 
what he was accused of and no one really knowing, you know, how serious it was, how... Yeah, just filling in gaps then. Yeah, and that he's unable to talk. And I think that is probably the most frustrating part for him and that he can now look ahead to a a new career in in San Francisco in America and, you know, and get on with his life. I recommend to everyone to read it. Thanks, Lindy. You got to go. I've got to go and use for myself. Yes, enjoy the enjoy the ball. We got to go to Packy's wedding. You're going to the awards night. Bye, Lindy. Hey, just on that, before she goes, Alan, one thing myself and yourself said a few months ago about Mills Molina, let's not forget, he changed a lot of the culture in that yeah. team. He was not a complete failure over here. And if anything, he was just marginally a success, despite his on-the-field struggles in the second half of the season. Yeah, off the field. Off the field, I thought he, he, he gave us a belief and he gave all the young lads a belief that, you know, they are as good as anyone else. Having a 100-cap all-black telling you how good you are has to be good has to be good for the, the soul has to be good for your your ego and then, you know these guys believe and you can see it out there they play with a, with a belief that we've never had in Connacht before it does help that we have a, we've had a winner which I always wanted was a winner on the field someone who's won something before and Bundy does that he brings even at the, at the, at the end when we got the turnover near the end Bundy went bananas right in front of us and the fourth official came over to try and get him to calm down <laughs> the crowd were all going Bundy 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 <laughs> fantastic oh, alright well I I hope that's the end of the Mills Molina story and the way it should end, a positive ending. And well done today to him and to Zebra for getting in. I'm glad they got in. No offence to Treviso, but we gifted them a win last week, so I think Zebra were the better of the two. But that's whether whether uh, how that all pans out in the future in terms of Italian teams is a whole other argument. Here's Pat Lamb speaking to me afterwards in a post-game interview. Pat Lamb, home semi-final. He couldn't have targeted anything else, anything higher than that, really. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's massive uh, for us. It's massive for our fans. Um, and um, you know, we went to and I think the thing I'm most proud about, if you look at the, um, you know, we we're underwhelming underdogs. I mean, the uh, form team, 22 internationals. And you know, when the rain came in, I saw it's it's, it's quite amazing. Like the, the next 10 days is heat wave and one day of rain. It's this one. And but I said the boys, let's get excited because now we can show people what we actually can do. You know, I know a lot's been talked about the game and our skill level and so forth, and, and probably wasn't the best, uh, you know, what we did, but it wasn't about that today. As I said to the boy, this is all about showing people our desire, our hunger, our character, our culture, and, um, you know, and which was missing. That was the one ingredient when I looked at the game last week. We had a lot of good stuff against Treviso. We played some good rugby, but as I highlighted, is that what was missing is that they wanted it more. And uh, we put a big focus on that. Um, well, I asked for it, and the boys came back and delivered it in spades. So... You know, absolutely proud of them. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it's great effort. Awful lot of pragmatism in that first half, a lot of kicking. Was there a change of approach? Well, you know, I, I probably, I said probably this, you know, right from when I first came, but I don't want to be known for a team that runs everything or kicks everything or, you know, keeps it up the jumper. It's, it's, it's got to be conditions. It's got to be, you know, what the defence gives us. And, um, um, you know, and, and then that's up to the, the players to make the decisions. So, you know, and that's part of our re- review. Have they made a good decision? Then it comes down to execution. But you know, certainly we uh, we knew we knew the forecast was 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 aiming this way. So um, you know, we're not, we're not silly against a very good defensive team to try and play too much uh, in that area. But we need to put them under pressure. And, and the kick's only as good as the chase, and the chase is only as good as your hunger and uh, working together. Because when you have guys like Stuart Hogg and you know uh, Jones and um, and Seymour, if you don't work and and uh, it was phenomenal to see our forwards go up together, stay, stay, stay connected, and put some tackles in, and, and then work back on our D. So, a lot to be made of our defence as well. But when it's really counted in the big games, 
you know, Munster, uh, Leinster, uh, you know, the, the, these, this game here, even Ulster, when we were defending with 30 men, the, the boys will step up. They had a huge winning streak coming into this game. It's a big, big result. Oh, it is. You know, it is for us. I mean, we, as, as I know, everyone was expecting would be the result the other way. And um, not only the way that we, we beat them, but it was the way we beat them I'm, I'm really proud about. And, uh, you know, uh, they're a phenomenal team. You know, they're, uh, as I said, they're, um, they're going to come back stronger. There's no doubt. Um, they're going to come back stronger. And as I challenged the boys, everything we've done all season is about our preparation, our day-to-day. And I just said this has to go on another level because we know they'll come back stronger. I think the really the beauty of it all is that we're doing it here, back in the sports ground, and um, it's just going to be a great day for um, you know for all our Connacht fans. Great, it's a really unusual scenario trying to analyse the same team for the next game, and and just so much on it. There was so much on this, and now there's so much on the next. One. Yeah, but this is uh, Champions Cup. This is international rugby. This is what it's like, and this is everything I'm trying to do. Is an edu- as I said many times, is an education for the players. You know, when you see Sean O'Brien, Peter Robb, these boys playing at this level, good good young Irish boys. You know, Nii Adiolakin. They get in this sort of rugby, and this is the sort of rugby we miss. Normally, you know, you can play at the end, and no one really takes any notice. But for those boys to play games where so much is riding on it, um, it's uh, it's a phenomenal experience for them, you know. And and when and when we play, when you play international test matches, it's back to back. It's the same sort of education. When we play Champions Cup, we're going to get back to back against you know a top team. So this is all storing and part of the where we you know and creates. Um, what we're trying to do as a group of guys for for us. I mean, this is not one-off games for us. This is all about building for not only finish this year, but the you know, years to come. All right, welcome back here to the Sports Ground Stand. They're cleaning up around us still, and we are ready to go to Packy's wedding. We'll talk about that in a minute. Packy and Orla's wedding. Niall and Orla's wedding, Nile if we really want to emphasize this correctly yeah, properly. Yeah. William, league table. Have a good look at that one there. Yeah, I still wish we were first. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, it would be nice to be first, uh, but we're second, and we've got Glasgow here on a date and time to be determined. Um, no, it's determined Saturday, six p.m. kickoff. Six thirty. It's determined Saturday, <laughs> six thirty kickoff. Hey, will we leave that in there so people see how many edits we have in and out of this? Yeah, there you go. Imagine how many more of those are on the edit cutting room floor. <laughs> well, there you go. So it's Saturday at sometime around six. <laughs> <laughs> um, just looking at the table the one thing that really strikes me is Zebra in 11th five wins are in the Champions Cup and you have the Blues and the Ospreys and Edinburgh all on 11 wins and they're not and that is just wrong I'm sorry it's supposed to be a meritocracy and um, it's something that's going to have to be uh, tackled at some stage I agree that's Saturday week by the way in case we didn't emphasise that uh, I think you know that though <laughs> the listeners really do uh, Joe Healy had a good point. Big screen. Yeah. Air square. Why not? Because like you're not going to get everyone in here. I told you I'm on a big screen here. <laughs> <laughs> Take the little screen from here and put it in air square. But it is a fair point. Like I was, you, you want to see as many people come to go see on the day. That's what I was saying to him. And pack the pubs because they're not going to get in here. But if they put a big screen in air square, if the weather's good, God. Well, you'd like to think, yeah, absolutely. Good. Yep. That's a great call. It is, and isn't it? Uh, let's start the campaign on Twitter now. Make it happen, and it'll be a huge, massive game. It'll be bigger. I think it'll get more media attention than any of the European semi-finals Absolutely. that we've had over the years because it's the Pro 12. Uh, the it's bigger than them, isn't it? Isn't oh, it? it oh, yeah. it's way bigger. Oh, yeah. It is bigger because the, 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 the what was the the Challenge Cup then was a a peculiar tournament with strange home and away semi-finals. The game against Toulon here was a massive game. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Do you remember the Celtic Cup semi-final against Edinburgh that we were saying is the biggest game in Connacht rugby history, which it was at the time. Yeah, Edinburgh I do. pipped us. I do. Uh, they lost by a point. Uh, Mark McHugh's last minute, either penalty or drop goal from nearly the halfway line, oh. actually skimmed the underside of the bar. It actually hit the underside of the bar. It, oh, was, it was pretty grim. That was back in the days almost unbelievably when BBC Grandstand used to show the Celtic League on a yeah. Saturday afternoon that would kick us to a 6-3 win over Cardiff those were the days these are the days though Dave oh yeah isn't it fun I mean the fact that we even no matter what the result was today we were going to be in a semi-final we were going to finish up people were going to have a chance to see Can't Play once more after after the end of the regular season but this time in the chance of winning something rather than trying to qualify for something um, it's great I, I can't wait on a personal note it's, I'm my narkiness with, with, with it is on a personal note I've had to miss my first days of football today because of this game I'm missing my second days because of that and the reason we're on the Saturday is because we finished second at the table and let's be frank we could have finished up and we only and that's the only negative I'm going to put it, we could have finished up at the table Don't start William he's going to start going on about points dropped Oh no no but, but we have to be realistic but to be honest that's just a minor winch Two yeah, weeks right, it's a Saturday to. evening people it'll be gone you'll be able to do families will be able to come in. and I do think the air square thing is on because there is a history they did it last year for the life of me I can't remember for what but they hurling. definitely did for hurling. the hurling they put it on for the hurling final why not lads yeah, this, is, this is as big and, and it would get... be just such a great story that Connacht have a big screen for a semi-final when they're at home and, and why, why only an air square this is Connacht this isn't Galway Ballonrobe why wouldn't you do it in Ballonrobe why wouldn't the big <laughs> rugby clubs around do something you, you can put a TV in the window Central. of the shop yeah. yeah there you go speaking of which you did make a big point about the junior interbros the Westport they, they were doing they that drew, in Westport they yeah. drew off oh, fantastic well done, well done guys yeah it's um, an absolute brilliant competition and it's everything the RFU should be continuing to do gives lads a chance to represent their province when they're amateurs but also I mean look at the atmosphere look at the Glaswegians that are around today I mean they're going to want if they think there's going to be a big screen where they can come in on the square now it'll be placed but you know so they won't be able to have the, the amount of babies they might like on the square but they'll be able to watch the game pop into the pubs have a great time they'll come over from Glasgow for it there'll be people coming from all over Galway all over Cogged all over Ireland to it. why not go for that we did it for the hurlers and that's yeah, just Galway say. County love it <laughs> Get your craggy island hip flask. You need it for air square. Yeah, absolutely. You can't can't be stopped with that. Let's be honest, Glasgow fans are going home disappointed and they gotta come back here. Yeah, they do have to come back here. Um I think when I go home and watch the game tonight again, you're gonna I think it was the physicality. Sort of it didn't shock them, but I don't think they quite knew how to cope with it. And that's uh, what they weren't expecting, and we kept that rolling. It took us a while. Once we settled into it, and the semi-final will be a very similar uh, similar game pattern, I think. I, I don't think the semi-final is going to be a, a very open game of rugby. I think it'll be played in very similar style to this. No, it'll all depend on the weather. And again, it'll all depend on whether Pergos is there. You've got a, a young 21-year-old, 22-year-old scrum half, only his 10th start would never have played in a game of this level with this many people roaring and shouting. Now, I thought he played quite well, but he didn't give them a level of control that they needed. A little bit of any other business before we get to the real any other business. You were chatting to James Crombie, photographer, follows the world, follows the world, follows Connacht all over the world. Go for it. Well, indeed he does. Um, you know, he, off, off to Krasnorsk there where some people went and some people didn't. What? Oh, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Alan's getting annoyed by this now. And... Um, is also going to the Olympics, be at the European Soccer Championships this year. Uh, carries serious photography kit. Forget your selfie stick and your um, yeah. <laughs> your ca- and your camera phone. This is serious stuff. It's a very interesting interview. It's just about the way sports photography and and media has changing. 
struck me today that we're all sort of photographers in our own right now, or we, some of us like to think we are, not me. We've got our camera phones and our selfie sticks and all the rest of it, but I'm here with somebody who is a serious photographer who carries seriously large amounts of kit. James Crombie, you're welcome along to Craggy Island Rugby. Thanks, Will. Uh, I first bumped into you, of course, in uh, Krasnorsk, the, the event that some people didn't bother to go to connected with Craggy Island Rugby. I know, I, I, don't know, I don't know how you know you could be so into Connacht Rugby and not have went to Krasnorsk. You know, us diehards were there, Rob, or Will. Well, Rob, were you there? Sorry. Yeah, that, that of course, is a leading question. Uh, James, photographers in my youth used to work for the paper, the photograph the following day or for the supplement or for the magazine that might come out a month later. It strikes me now that you're in an instantaneous business now. You have to get the stuff out there so quickly. How, how is that? How do you work that? Yeah, it's, it's like deep down we still want to see our picture in print and in the paper. That's where we really get the buzz out of. But nowadays it's social media, it's Twitter, it's Facebook, it's online, like the certain websites will be running live blogs through the game and they want the try before it's happened these days, you know what I mean? But uh, or the the key moment. But it's 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 brilliant. It keeps us on our toes, you know what I mean? Like uh years ago my boss used to tell me that uh when the preview to Italian ninety they would be off on an island for two weeks and they wouldn't transmit any pictures. It was just a whole thing for magazines and months to come and and it was a great life, but nowadays that's just impossible, you know. We, we can send from the camera now straight to our desk or straight to the papers. It's just, it's speed, speed, speed. and it's, It makes it tougher, but it's, it's still enjoyable. Does that mean you're looking for different types of shots? Are you, are you having to maybe, uh, you're more, imme- more immediacy than actually framing a shot? Or is that just part, do you become used to it? It's, it's a bit of both, you know what I mean? Like, they, as I say... Like it's it's ninety minutes before kickoff. We've already got eight pictures sent out previewing the game. You know, like years ago, you mightn't send eight pictures out from the bloody game. Like you know what I mean? So like we'll probably have twenty five pictures gone out to different media outlets before the game even kicks off. So um, yeah, it's it's fine. Like we're used to it at this stage. You know what I mean? That's where the to be honest, that's where our business is. That's where we're making we're making probably more strides now with social media channels than we are actually with newspapers, and that's that's what people want. You know. The equipment you're carrying, um, the big lenses and stuff, that, that looks reminiscent of what I used to watch photographers 40 years ago at cricket grounds, the, the long tom and this sort of stuff. So that, that bit of it is still the same. You have to be able to shoot from wherever you are in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. The, the lenses, the look of the lenses haven't actually really changed. They're still, the, the, what I carry is probably a 400mm f2.8 lens. It's, it's, quite a, it's quite a long lens. It covers maybe 50% of the of the action probably from the halfway line to where I am I have a shorter lens then if tries come in but it hasn't really changed much in in the in the 20 years since it's since it's been there and how did you get into this game what uh, how do you suddenly say oh I want to be a sports photographer where does that come from I was uh, sitting at my I was working in IT and I was sitting at my desk and I read an advert in the metro newspaper in Dublin for a TV show to be those five dream jobs and one was a sports photographer and that was uh, 10 years ago this October and I think I was whittled down from 500 to 50 to 20 to 6 to 3 to 1 and I got the job and it was a six month contract with Info Photography one of uh, or probably Ireland's leading sports photography agency so uh, just got a bit of luck and when I got my foot in the door I 
bloody well worked hard at it and I, I worked seven days a week for the first two years and thank God I learned a few things and I was recognised and it's been going really well since. I've travelled the world with it and uh, I'm doing a lot of travelling this summer with the Euros and the Olympics. It's just, to be honest, it's a dream come true. I don't consider it work. My, my poor wife is at home with the kids. She probably has slightly more, much more reservations with it but uh, it's, it is what it is. What's your favourite sport, can I ask? Is there is there one? I think rugby is, I uh, really, like, from... I came from a, uh, a convent of mercy, a school in Kilbegan. There was no rugby. We, we'd played Gaelic, we'd played hurling. I actually didn't really get exposed to rugby till my early 20s, and probably just as rugby was going pro and, and everything's happening. But by now, I would watch rugby probably... I'd probably watch 15, 12, 15 games a week, and I'd probably cover three or four. Like, I find it great that we can watch the Southern Hemisphere rugby in the mornings because I'm generally working at the weekends. So, um, yeah, rugby, definitely my favourite sport. James, good to talk to you. Good luck this afternoon. Thanks, Will. See you, Rob. That's the voice of James Crampy, fan of the podcast. He's helped us out with a little bit of graphics and stuff, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, and last week's, last week's interviewee of the podcast, um, James Heaslip, was brilliant today. He comes up at halftime and he interviews people as they're going along, and next minute he turns around and says, oh, what's your name? It turns out to be Mr. Enda Kenny. He walks out and he goes, are you here for the game? Where are you from? <laughs> and then says to him, I believe you might be celebrating a new job. <laughs> And the candy just didn't know what to say. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I tell you, when he got a little boo, and the candy and a little applause. The boo was only pantomime-esque. I don't want to be too negative about it. But on the far side, our president Michael D walks by, and he gets an amazing reception from the crowd on the far side. I think the most interesting thing about Enda being here was having to explain to Scottish journalists how the prime minister of any country can stand in the front row of, a, of any match <laughs> and have no cops, no security cordon around me, just sitting there. And most people hadn't even realised he was here until he got interviewed by James. I was working at a game a couple of weeks ago which uh, I won't tell you about for a second because you just all go and I was trying to get the Mayo under 21 victorious manager up to the <laughs> up to the radio station and there was one steps up and Andy Kenny was there just chatting to someone I was trying to say can we just go past and the guard was like he was almost saying no like ah come on I've got to have some sort of rules you know what I mean I can't let you that close I was like oh I've got to bring him up anyways that's neither here nor there final thoughts are we at final thoughts really yeah. really why because it's late and we want to go. Let's go. Haki will be upset. Yeah. Orla will be even more was, upset. Can we reveal that A, he was tweeting during his own wedding? Well, no, in direct message tweeting? I, I, I think he was actually watching the match. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's any possibility of getting away from this. He knew what was going on. Should, should we drop in the clip that I edited out a couple of weeks ago into this podcast? With I think it might crew? be okay now. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it's it probably is. fine. Uh, for those of you who know, Niall, Sheil, or Packy as we know him, was on our podcast a few weeks ago, and you may have heard him say this... Unfortunately, I won't be here the seventh of May because for good reasons, I hear. Yeah, for great reasons. Yeah, yeah, wonderful reasons. What? How did you plan that? Do you think I had yeah, hands after a part in the planning of that? Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, I did a part. In <laughs> anyway, uh, the, no, because I think that game. But that was the second take, and this was actually the first way he went about that. This, this other game plan, and it's working really well. It's really, really, really good to watch. They're kind of play the best. I'm sorry I'm getting married on the 7th of May. Better scratch that, actually. Because <laughs> I better flag that in the minutes. Yeah. Which I just have to scratch that. 
Now we feel safe to do that now that he's married. There's no way out there, Orla. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're going to have some fun there tonight. Uh, lads, this is brilliant. Look, it's been a long season. 15 wins, William. It's been longer than one season. It feels like about five seasons. Yeah, it's been two Remember, years of We podcasts. did a whole podcast of World Cups as well. Yeah, and a whole <laughs> season World last year. Yeah, yeah, this podcast yeah. started with me complaining about sand mowers against the Dragons about two years ago. But anyways, yeah. Uh, it's brilliant. And it's deserved because they've worked very, very hard. And they've put last week's little wobble behind them. And they've set up what they wanted from once it became a potential to have a semi-final they wanted a home one they've got that it doesn't really matter who they're playing it, it's, it, that's almost irrelevant it's the home semi-final they're one game away from the final and they're set up to go for it and it's, it's just going to be massive Alan we analysed a little bit during the week I'm starting to go let's stop analysing Connacht in the old ways because I was doing it I was like they've lost you know tight head prop down to one and I was just being too technical then you see Connacht like you know figured stuff out they put Kieran Marmion in the number eight position at one stage to try and figure stuff out. I don't know if you spotted that. Yeah, we did. Jake Heenan popped it into his scrum. But, you know, like, just trust this management team to figure things out. And just because we're down a few tight heads doesn't mean we're done and dusted. Well, especially when when JP Cooney comes on and then um, Locks has to go off because he gets a bang. And then we put our hooker in at loose head and our scrum gets even better again. And he's like, oh, my God. This is just, team is just, it just has depths that you just never would have believed. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, I'm going to be relaxed going into the semi-final. I'm not going to overanalyze it. Yes, Glasgow are going to be much, much better again. But we can be better too. Of course we can. Of course we can. And, and we've nothing to fear. We've, every time we've come, the last four home games, I've stood before and went, right, we have to win this game. This is the defining game. No more this is, you know, yeah. you know, we, This will tell us whether we're real or not. And every time we've stood up and every time we've deserved to win. And, and we'll say it again, again then. Just say it again. We have to win this game. We have, well, tell us. if you remember, that's the first time that, that Pat Lamb has beaten Glasgow. So there's only one team left that he hasn't beaten, and that's Ulstrom. We might meet them in a final if we did manage to win here. So, um, <laughs> Can you imagine us and Richard Mulligan having a podcast over there? That'd be great crack. Uh, Dave, so final thoughts, and then we get any other business around here. Final thoughts on this game here today. Look, people watching and neutrals are like, oh, it was a poor game or No, I mean you can't. I, I, this is a this is a game. This is a game you had to be at. I'm sorry, sorry, Baggy. Um, but this is a game you had to be at. <laughs> we have a lot to apologise to Baggy for right now. <laughs> um, we, it, it, you just it, this, this is you can't. You can't really explain what it's like to be at a game like that. To hear the crowd sing, to see a player like I mean this this idea that players and supporters. I've watched enough games. I've watched enough games over the last week in different sports across the world. And when the connection is there between fans and players, it's it's spectacular. And yes, Bundy was getting excited. Bundy was leading the sing song. Yeah. He was getting. He was rousing the great. I mean, it's he's, he's it's, like the Terminator near the end of one of those films. Yeah. He's patched up. Yeah. It's just. I think, I mean, the tickets are going to go on sale on Monday. Um, if you can get a ticket for it, guys, because right. I can't... On, on Monday for season ticket holders only. And do we know anything about the details of how that works? Uh, I think uh, every season ticket holder is entitled to purchase two tickets. And the open sale will then start on Wednesday. Nine I think o'clock. nine o'clock. There will be a chunk of tickets going to Pro 12 Rugby and there'll be a chunk of tickets going to Glasgow. So Some of them might come back. Some of them might come back, but the open sale tickets on Wednesday will be... I don't know how many you can buy, uh, whether there's a limit on that, but there mightn't be an awful lot of them available. So I would be in there very quickly, either if, uh, if you're a season ticket holder, but equally quickly, or maybe even more quickly, if you're just a purchasing tickets. Okay, so this podcast will come out on Monday, so we can reveal some very interesting information that was uh, dropped to us by a source 
who we will not reveal, but in fairness, the podcast is only out Monday, so we're not breaking any news. Tomorrow evening are the Pro 12 Rugby Awards, lads. Here's the news. Coach of the Year, Pat Lamb. Yeah, well, that was obvious. Player of the Year, Bundiaki. Yeah, that's another pretty and obvious Chairman's one. And Chairman's Award going to John Muldoon. Three awards oh, for Connor. Nice, nice. <laughs> Excellent news. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Never. Uh, that's absolutely deserved in all cases. thought John made a great interview this evening when they were saying goodbye to some of the guys who haven't made it in the cut for next season. It's always a sad part of professional oh, sport when players get released. Uh, and he spoke very, very well. And all of those guys were rightly applauded by the crowd. And it's symptomatic of how well Connacht have done this season. Yeah, and like we know we expected the lads to get it, but like it's worth celebrating. We have coach of the year and player of the year as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean if you look at the Irupas last year, there's a, last weekend, there's a few things that we were like... The Irupas. Oh, yeah, the Irupas. yeah, we didn't even get a nominee well, we for to, young player. We have to mention Connacht also has a, the women's player of the year in sending out right. And her story is... God, we could spend a, we could spend a call on, on, on Sunday night his life, and we got moments of the year, the, the, the match down in Munster. Um, brilliant, yeah. This is deserved. You don't win these awards unless you, you're doing something spectacular. And believe me, Bundy and Pat and all 40, 40 odd lads who've played the season have been part of something really spectacular, and it's more than deserved. I, I, I don't know if it's mowing the sand, but... I, it we, looks like it's mowing the sand. We'll, we'll we stick this up on Twitter. It looks as though that like, tractor is actually is mowing poignant. the sand. Yes. It's, like a, it's like a premonition I had a couple of years ago. Any other business? <laughs> I think it's a rating the sand. Ah, actually. stop. We will just give it to me. Just give it to me. Any other business? No, not, nothing, nothing really. Do you want to complain about any points we dropped? No. No, no. If I've, I've, I've done that. I've done it. We've got the home semi-final. I could, Job done. Job done. Dave? This may be a bit, but, but um, I'm just going to say, in case, you know, sometimes you, you mention somebody and they might give you a case or something. So I'm just going to say now, all Scotch whiskey is fantastic in the hope that somebody sends us a celebratory case. Yeah. <laughs> and particularly like a volume, but... Or Auburn or Glenford. Actually, actually, any Glenfiddich. Even at a push, I'd take a whole case of teachers. But that was not the push. William nearly collapsed. He, he's, he suddenly has any other business. Um, <laughs> Alan, no, no comment. Okay, well, I've just got a couple of, you know, we, we, we even have people, we don't even ask for it now when people are sending us tweets oh, in. Oh, cool, yeah. So, um, Thank you, folks. You've got Gavin Grace asking, uh, making the point that today's stats are a reversal of Treviso. All the attacking stats are in favour of Glasgow, but Connacht are plus six in the turnover differential. <laughs> nice. Again, it like shows you the importance of turnovers. And then you've got... I'm not sure how to pronounce that name. Ger Wyke. Ger Wyke. Don't ask him to pronounce it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I didn't. I I wouldn't either. (laughs) Um, Will Finley recover, do you think, for a fortnight's time? Uh, it's a bit hard to tell. He, he certainly looked very banged up when he came off. You, you can never predict with these HIAs. Uh, and he that's the first time I've seen him go off for one. So let, let, let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. There's a lot of injuries there. Quite an unusual situation too towards the end of the game. One thing, a bit surprised that there wasn't more awareness of the new laws within Pro 12 Rugby that you can't replace a, t- a prop when you're going down to uncontested scrums. But there was a long discussion about that. Also, very good to know that Tom McCartney can scrummage so well. So we still have a little bit of hope there. That's no other, any other business for me. Good work, Alan. Good work, lads. I really recommend you read Mills Mullane's interview with Lindy online because it's I excellent. I hope that car park isn't locked. Awkward. Let's get out of here. The only thing that should be locked tonight is us. Let's go. Yeah. Thanks to James and Stats. Hello, James. Hello, boys. Thanks to Andrew for being our studio audience. <laughs>